0: hey everyone and welcome to the hockey journey podcast episode number 10 the scott bukestead hockey journey presented to you by onlinehockeytraining.com i'm your host coach lance pitlick if you're new here please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes before the teapot starts whistling and we begin if you want to learn more about me my hockey experiences what i know and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. My next guest is a former NHL 9th round pick that had stops with the Minnesota North Stars, Pittsburgh Penguins, and LA Kings, where he got to play with a great one, Wayne Gretzky. He also played Division I hockey for the Minnesota Gophers and, in 1984, represented the United States at the Olympics in Sarajevo, Yugoslavia. Today, he's regarded as one of the top shooting instructors in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming Scott Bukestead to the show. Hi, Scott, and welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, you and I have had history here in Minnesota. Uh, you got me entered, well... You didn't get me introduced, but you certainly helped me out in just preparing to to start a business, of, uh, an at-home business of helping players get better uh, with a stick and a puck. So we'll talk about that a little later. But uh, the first thing, what I'd like you to do is to rewind the tape and tell us where you grew up, your introduction to hockey, any other sports you played during your childhood, I guess basically give us some insight on what it was like growing up Scott Bukestead.
1: Well, I grew up in Moundsview, uh, Minnesota, which is a suburb just on the north side and, um, of Minneapolis. And I started hockey, I, I think, I'm not really sure. I, I know I played everything. I played baseball. I played uh, whatever we could play at the times. football, uh, hockey. And I think my mom signed me up and I was about five and I played and um I was down at the rink all the time and 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 she knew that I liked it, so she she signed me up and i I remember the first year I scored one goal and didn't see it and i I couldn't skate hardly and then i um the next year, I don't know what happened I scored a bunch of goals but i um i i, I worked on it really hard in between, just kinda on my own whether it was uh in the backyard on the uh our rink we had made uh or it was on the grass in the summer. So we that's kinda how I started. I played I played just about every sport. I kind of uh was one of those kids that just I wanted to be doing something and it was always a sport. Yeah, isn't that uh
0: uh especially for for our era. I mean you're a little older than me, but um it, once the sport ended, the next one began and then even if a sport was going on, you were still playing other sports like at the park playing basketball or tennis or stuff like that. So sounds like a pretty typical uh, childhood. So I know you played a lot of sports, but at what age did you kind of have an ignition of wanting to one day maybe play college hockey and maybe professionally?
1: Well, I, uh, I really didn't think about it um, when I was growing up. I, uh, I, I when I was when I was in Pee Wees and Bantams, I obviously watched the NHL, and there was some stuff that was very minimal on, you know, it was on Sundays. You could watch it, and um, but I really didn't start even thinking about um, playing college hockey till I was in high school, and and I was a really late recruit. I had. Uh, um, Duluth had said that if a player went, one of the players went to, uh, Wisconsin, that I was going to get a full ride. And that player went to Wisconsin and they gave my scholarship, that scholarship away that, that I was supposed to get. And then I had no place to go at that point. And, um, actually it's kind of a good, uh, Herb Brooks story. I had, um, I had went down to the U and, um, it wasn't a really good recruiting thing. I, I left there at that point, And I said, I don't think they want me to play. And then that was with uh, the coach that was taking over, Brad Buto. And then um, Herb Brooks came back from the World Championships uh, and found out that I was still available. He actually came to my math room. And I remember him beating on the door of the math room. And I could see his face. And I'm thinking to myself, what is he doing here? And he actually (laughs) pulled me out of the room and and, uh, offered me a scholarship. So it was kind of cool.
0: Yeah. No, that's – you know, I, I've done not a ton of interviews, but there, there's always someone in the player's life at some point that gives them an opportunity uh, when maybe someone else won't have or when something got pulled, uh, That you know, it's opportunity is a big part. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that as we dive deeper into this. So talk a little bit about your high school days, because you went to Irondale.
1: I went to Irondale. And, uh, and
0: that, uh, I don't recall ever Irondale being considered a hockey powerhouse. Uh, did you guys have some good teams? Did you ever have a chance to make it to the state tournament? Uh,
1: yeah, we actually had, well, my my year, we never went to the state tournament Peewee's Bantams. Um, my younger brother was two years younger, and they won the state championship Peewee's Bantams. They were second in the nation when they were Peewee's. And they ended up losing their senior year in the in the state championship game. So they were really a good group. Wow. So once they got up with us, it kind of pushed us. We were um, – we you know, a lot of times you get younger kids in there and, and you're not happy to have them in there because they're going to take spots. But we were happy. The, the, the seniors that were – knew they were going to be there, we were happy to see those guys come in because they they actually – now we had three lines that could play. And then we went to the state tournament my senior year and then they went my my brother went all 3 years and then after that they never went it was a really good group of kids we were all rink rats and we all liked each other and um uh, so it was it was interesting i had you know when i was in high school my my sophomore year i played and then i had a really big setback my uh my mom died when i was excuse me Oh go ahead, take your time. You she know. died when I, in my junior year, and it, <clears throat> it kind of changed everything for me so so my it was it was my motivation after that, so it kind of pushed me a lot harder than <clears throat> I'd been pushing myself and and it you know i um that was a tough it was a tough time for me, and you can see it's still it's still painful even. 50 years after so 40 years yeah. after so kind of you know it, it that that kind of stuff you remember and um it it, it could have pushed me either way but it pushed me in the direction where I was like you know what I'm gonna make her proud
0: yeah well first uh thank you for for sharing that uh you know everyone can see that yes it it still is a, a memory that uh is hard to not get emotional on but that that is a critical point in a a person's life and I think a lot of uh, you know adolescents unfortunately have to go through situations where they're at a crossroad and you know you know you can go the different direction we we've all known uh, friends of ours that have went that other direction and uh, it's tough so. Uh, I'm happy for you that it, it, it turned into inspiration and I, I'm sure it still is something that you think about on a daily basis that, you know, mom, I'm still trying to make you proud. So thanks for sharing, Scott. Yeah. Uh, so when you went to college, um, what do you remember being kind of the biggest change moving up to that next level?
1: Well, I I think it was I can remember in the uh, the first time I was in the locker room I saw a, a, a player named Peter Hayek and you probably know him he was he's from your area but he was older he was a yeah, senior yeah. when I was a when I was a freshman and I remember looking at him and going I need to get in the weight room this kid was huge <laughs> and I and I can just remember the strength part of it so. I had been I worked out on my own a lot. I you know I had this stuff in my basement and I worked out all the time, but I was not anywhere near where I should have been. So I you know that was the biggest jump for me. I think after, from first to second year, I I totally dedicated myself in the weight room. I knew I could score. I I didn't know if they knew I could score at that level, but I knew I could. I was positive that that was not going to be an issue for me, just because I had always scored. And, um, but I, I knew the strength thing was going to be a huge thing. So, um, I really didn't play my first two, a year and a half, I didn't play much. And then I, um, it was after the 80 Olympics, Neil Broughton, that group came back and we had a really good team. And I finally got my foot in the door, my, my sophomore year, about halfway through. And, uh, I wasn't going to let that door open. So it was kind of, that I think the biggest thing was a strength for me and then once i got that and i and i can remember this too it's weird because I, neil Broughton one time we we're in the locker room and and i was not playing at christmas my sophomore year and he looked at me and he said why are you not playing and i, I remember thinking if if he thought i could play then i could play yeah i mean he just you know it's just amazing how strong um that that kind of statement means to someone if you know if they're if they're, you know, I was doubting after after a year and a half if they were going to let me play, and then all of a sudden he said that, and it wasn't long after that I got my I started playing a little more, and then I I played all the time.
0: That's uh, again, you know, you you're you're looking at opportunities, and uh, you just don't know when someone's going to say something to you that validates what you've been working for for so long. So yeah you know, you can score, you have that confidence, you haven't gotten the opportunity and then you start getting the opportunity. And if you look at, uh, your point production, uh, steadily increased, uh, to where you got 91 points in 44 games, your senior year, uh, spend some time talking just a little bit more about that. You said you had some really good teams. Did you guys win a national championship or get to, to that tournament at all?
1: Uh, my first, my, my sophomore year, we went to the national championship, lost to Wisconsin and we had beaten them. We had beaten them a lot of times in a row. I think like six or seven times we'd beaten them in a row. I mean, it was just, it, we were way, we were better. They just had a better night. You know, they goalie, we, I think we ended up losing five, three, uh, in that game. And that one still kind of haunts me because I know that we, we were better. Um, I, uh, Neil Broughton, he dislocated his elbow about two weeks before the the tournament, but he, he played in the tournament, um, but with his elbow, you know, and we had, it, it was that, that was, that was the one year. in my senior year, we went to the final four. We lost to uh, Harvard in the first game, uh, three to two. And Wisconsin won it that year too. And we had, <clears throat> we were, you know, it was, it was us and Wisconsin. that were the two top teams at that point.
0: Yeah. You know, it's <clears throat> interesting. Some of this in my head when you talk about uh, the strength that when you got into the weight room with the fellas for the first time, you just saw the gap and where you needed to go. I remember that summer going into my freshman year, Mike Ramsey, uh, who played at Minnesota, had a long NHL career, was on the 90 or 1980 Olympic hockey team, U.S. team, and he just asked me, hey, you want to ride the bike? You know, you want to do a little bike workout with me? I'm like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and proceeded to put me through uh, a workout that I had never experienced before. Yeah. And at that moment, I knew that there, there was a, a different level you had to commit to in order to play uh, college hockey, well beyond, and in, in pro hockey too.
1: Yeah, I, you know, you're right. It's It was, I actually, I like to work out, so I was in there a long time, and I never missed a day, and it was... <clears throat> That was the way that I knew that I was going to get in there,
0: yeah, uh and then, you know that that's what's pretty neat about college is uh you know there there's just a hierarchy, and everyone kind of passes a little bit down to the the new guys coming in and uh so it's 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 pretty neat to see how how everyone takes care of themselves, so you ended up uh getting a pretty special opportunity following your college career. And that was being able to play for your country, representing the United States in the 1984 Olympics. Uh, Just touch on how was that tour prior leaving for the games? Because I was on the 92 tour and that was one of the hardest and most intense tours uh, leading
1: up to the games. What was your experience like? Well, we... We played 60 games. I mean, it was probably the similar to what you did. And, and we, I mean, we played, you know, good teams. We played Canada 12 times and we won six and they won six. We played a Russian team. I can't remember exactly how many times, but um, it, was, it wasn't was their top team, but it was a really good team. We played like in kind of a, all around the country so people could see. But it was the first time that we had played the Rus- any Russian team after the 80 Olympic. We played the Russian team in lake placid and we you know the place was nuts it was like it it, i can imagine what the olympics was like but it was it people were waving flags and and we ended up winning five to four i think and you know it was it was big enough where where ronald reagan called our locker room after the game and talked to our coach
0: holy cow
1: (laughs) so it was just unreal but that was you know we came out of lake placid there was people screaming i'm sure it was very similar to what the you know, not, not to that point, but it was, it was unreal. I mean, I I couldn't even imagine what it would have been like in the Olympics. Right.
0: No. (laughs) So, um, prior to leaving for the games, I mean, we've all seen the movie miracle and Ralph Cox being the last guy cut. Uh, tell me about the process. Tell us about the, the process of how they went about telling all the players who made the team, who got cut and, did you feel like your your name was in the, uh, that hat of players that might get cut cut at the end?
1: Uh, no, that that part of it, no, for not for me because they had guaranteed me a spot. So there was there was a bunch of guys that were going to turn pro, and they just they came into us, and and there was about probably there was probably five or six guys. They maybe maybe a few more that they guaranteed spots that they, you were going to have a spot for sure. Yeah. You know? so and I, luckily I was one of them my, my senior year I, I had a really good senior year in college and and about three quarters of the way through they came through and I you know I'll be totally honest with you I really didn't uh even think about what was going to happen next I didn't know I I didn't think about uh Olympics till they came and talked to me I I just was so happy that things were going good at, at college level I just didn't know what was gonna you know what was gonna happen after that so but, yeah, it was – for me, it was – I was lucky. But we had – we got on a train from Austria. We were in Austria for three weeks before the Olympics. And we got on a train. <clears throat> Our whole team <clears throat> went to the Olympics. And one one kid went home. So it was a nightmare. I mean, it, <clears throat> it was tough for those kids. We had a really good friend of mine. And this other kid were the two last guys that they didn't know who was going to – they were going to get cut, And they knew who they were in um, – and one guy went home, and the other guy went with us. <clears throat> so it was, you know, it was a grind, and it was stressful. It wasn't like I said; it wasn't stressful on me because I knew I had a spot. But those, those poor guys—I mean, that was torture. I mean, they worked; yeah. they all wanted to be there. You know, I'm sure they did that with yours. Yeah, uh, I,
0: unfortunately, I don't know. I, I for sure would have been one of those players that were in considered to be one of the last cuts, but I made the decision either easy for them. I broke my leg like a month before the Olympics, so they could just cross me off the board <laughs> and move forward. But uh, Well, congratulations on that. I mean, there's very few people in this world that can say that they're an Olympian, and you're one of them, so uh, cherish that uh, experience, and continue to pass on, you know, memories that you can, like you always do to the to the players that you get in front of, you know, trying to make them better. Um, let's transition now to your professional career. Um, you played for the Gophers in college. Now you just have to drive a little further down. This is in <laughs> Bloomington, down the road to where you now were playing for the Minnesota North Stars. Uh, how special was that, playing the first, Half of your career still in your hometown, and then also touch where there's some added pressures because of you being a local boy.
1: Yeah, you know, for me it was. I mean, I was happy that my you know, my family could see me play, and and um, it was it, it felt comfortable. I mean, I for the first while i i stayed I stayed in my house. I mean, I stayed in my home and, and played there. And <laughs> so it was. I mean, I was finally making money, but I was I was staying at home and I drove to, I drove to practice every day. It was 22 minutes away. And, and, uh, you know, that was awesome for me. I didn't, it wasn't a huge difference with the, with the distance and where I was at, but you know, uh, you know, as well as I do, you get to that level and you all of a sudden it kind of, you open your eyes on how, how much, how good the players are. And I, my first year, um, JP Parisi, Zach's dad, was my one of my assistant coaches, and I remember at at training camp my first year, and you know, I was thinking, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking that I probably was going to get sent down, and and uh, he walked up to me on the bench and or on the on the bus, and and I said, when are they going to send guys down? He goes, oh, you're not going anywhere, and I remember it just about took my breath away, so. <laughs> if, pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty cool that I was able to stay here. And I played, my first year, I played uh, third line, and I was kind of a checker, which I wasn't used to. I told them, I said, I'll do anything. And they put me on the third line, and and I kind of stayed against, you know, I played against their best lines, and I had to learn to play defense. And I'd played, I'd been so offensive in college that, you know, I didn't really, didn't really think about defense because we were in the offensive zone the whole time. So all of a sudden I was I, I was playing uh, a little more defensive minded. I can remember um, the first time we played Edmonton, and the coach said, "He said you're going to go against Gretzky's line." And I'm like, "You are you talking to me? I'm, <laughs> you might be talking to the wrong guy." So it was funny because he he came the Gretzky came in the, in the zone one time, and, and the first time and I. I got him, you know, I'm with him. I got him. I got him. He, he takes about three steps and I don't got him and he shoots and scores. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what just happened? And, and they, you know, they realized at that point, you know, you got to, um, you can't just, I wasn't ready for that yet. I mean, he was, I, I, I did a lot of stuff defensively and I, and I had a pretty good year. Um, but it was, um, it was interesting. It was a big adjustment for me for because all of a sudden I was playing offense or defense and then I went to, I, went, I was playing offensively all the time in college and went to defensively. And then, then in my second year, I got a chance about, about 20 games in. I, all of a sudden, they put me on Neil Broughton's and Dino Cicerelli's line and then it clicked. And I, that year, I think I had, I had like six goals in 21 games or the, at the beginning and then I ended up was 43 goals um so and then after that I had I had some injuries and I um you know things didn't click as good and you know it it just kind of you know I battled it after that it was it was I and I lasted 10 years but it was you know it was the first that that second year was unbelievable when I played with those guys I played with them a little bit of the year after we changed coaches they moved the lines around and and so it never really got back to that and um but you know, it was for me. It was. I never thought I was going to get there. I never thought I'd be at that level. And I mean, like I said, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even really think about it when I was on the Olympic team. I, I knew that I was drafted by the North Stars, but I was a ninth round pick. I was like the 181st pick. You so, and me
0: both, brother.
1: Yeah. You and me both. And you know, and I got there, and all of a sudden I was playing, and I was like, you know, that that's kind of what. That's what I tell kids. Um, you know, they get drafted or don't get drafted. I mean, there's the, the kids that don't get drafted are sometimes better off when they go to college and they have a great college career. If you have a kid that's really, <clears throat> you know, he's going to be a good player. He just didn't get drafted for whatever reason. Um, you know, there's, there's hope. You just, it's, it's how good you play when you're a college player. And, and that's what happened with me. And I'm sure it happened with you. And, and I mean, it just kind of, nobody thinks you're going to play. And then all of a sudden nobody, but you think you're going to play. And then, um, you end up playing. So,
0: yeah. And I, I think that, uh, you know, things have changed since, since we were, you know, playing pro hockey, especially in our early days where if you weren't drafted, you weren't getting a pro opportunity. Now Mm -hmm. colleges, I mean, that, that's a place where they are diving deep and really doing research and trying to pluck these, uh, players out of college. So Yeah. Yeah you were put on a line with Dino Cicerelli and Neil Broughton. Is that who yep. it was? Yep. And how, you know, as a forward, as a as a guy that's used to getting points, how important is it to have uh, just a, a some type of unique connection? Do you need it with both of your line mates or just one to kind of have it click?
1: Uh, Well, Neil, you know, I always thought about playing with Neil. I just never never had a chance to in college because I played center and he played center. But once I got on his line, I, you know, I knew what he could do. And I and he just basically told Dino and I, I said, just get open. Uh, I will get you the puck. Yeah. And I was like, I can do that, you know, one of those, <laughs> one of those deals. But it was for both – Dino was unbelievable too. Dino was a great passer. He was, uh, he was a great goal scorer, but he took a lot of pressure off off of me with just – you know they're a lot of times they they're thinking he's gonna score and then all of a sudden I'm scoring a bunch of goals I think that year he had forty four I had forty three and I think wow. had i think neil had like thirty five or thirty six so we had a lot of goals and but we were you know it makes a difference too um you know it, it makes a huge difference how much time you get on the power play um how much time you're on the ice so you know you I just hit last night. I was watching the girls Olympic team and, you know, I work with, and you work with a girl there that, that uh, is an unbelievable player, but you got no ice time. And, and it's just kind of, you know, you can't, you can't play um, at the high levels and, and not get a lot of ice time and expect to score. And that's kind of what happened after that. I didn't get as much ice time, which was maybe my fault, whatever, but I didn't get as much. And, and, but that, that year um i had a lot of ice time i was, i knew i was going to be on the power play all the time and, and but those guys the connection with those guys was was easy for me because i could i knew i i was good at getting open
0: yeah uh that's and i remember those guys i mean i remember all you guys uh watching ya and uh seeing that magic happen so uh let's talk about the second uh half of your career you had stops in Pittsburgh and L.A., mm-hmm. and you, you played with a lot of really great players uh, in both organizations. But what I'd like uh, to get your uh, insight on is a teammate by the name of Wayne Gretzky. Uh, give our listeners you know, a little taste on what you learned from being around the great one, on the ice, off the ice, because I, I'm sure he was uh, someone you were watching closely to, to, to learn from?
1: Well, he was, uh, he was just uncanny with some of the stuff. I mean, he, he, I would watch him at practice and he didn't shoot the puck really hard. He, he had great edges. He had, he had things, that, but you could tell with him, he knew he was the best. He, he would go, I, I remember one time he had, he had a uh, surgery on his back, I think, and they went or uh, somewhere up in his upper body, and and he was out for like six weeks, and he came back and he hadn't skated really for for six weeks, and he skated for a week, and he told the coach, "I'm ready." And they said they they didn't think he was going to be ready yet. He went out in the first shift, and I swear he took the puck, and it was like he was just getting acclimated again. He had the puck for about 15 seconds by himself, just turning around, going back and forth on the sideboards, and threw a pass out and got an assist right away, and. But it was just unbelievable that he could go from, um, you know, from just not playing. And I'll be totally honest with you. He, You know, if you saw, you probably saw him, but he he wasn't big. He wasn't muscular. He wasn't any of the things that you think that you see players now that are really strong. You just don't see it. He, He wasn't any of those except for. He knew where the puck was going. He knew where he was uncanny on, on the way he passed the puck, he, and he was great at getting scoring opportunities. So he was he was special. And, and you know, I I remember he didn't talk a whole lot on the bench to other players. Maybe to his line mates, he did. But I remember he said one thing to me one time. I was carrying the uh, he was I had the puck. No, he had the puck, and he was coming on the left side. And somehow I got on the ice with him, and um he just said, you got to move over. Just, just t- take one step to your right, go forward and, and I'll give that to you. And you know, I remember that when he said that to me, it made total sense. Everything that he, he said and did, he didn't say anything unless it was, you know, it was really, really smart or really it was obvious. And, and, but he was, uh, I mean, one of the things, you know, sometimes I wasn't playing in Los Angeles and, and you'd watch him from the, from the press box And he made the right play every time. It wasn't just ninety percent of the time. He always, you could tell where he was going to throw the puck because there was a guy open. The puck was going there. But he was, he was special and he was different. And and I'll be, you know, when I was in Pittsburgh, I was uh, Mario was there and Mario was young and he was unbelievable too. He was, he was a bigger version of Gretzky, but I don't think he could, you know, he just couldn't uh, physically stay healthy, but. You know, there were different types of players, but they were both unbelievable. But I I don't know if there'll ever be another Gretzky, though, just the way he was relentless on getting scoring chances and his mindset never changed. When he was in the locker room, if he had a hat trick, you couldn't tell if he had a hat trick in between periods. You couldn't tell if he didn't have a goal. He just looked the same all the time and did the same stuff every shift, every time he was out there.
0: Uh, It's interesting when you're – lucky enough to be a healthy scratch once in a while, like you and I (laughs) a little bit in our career. Yeah. When you, you know, you, you see players like Gretzky and Lemieux at ice level. Uh, it's, it's impressive, but like you were talking about when you were in the press box and you could see the play developing and you're like, he's going there for sure. And he already saw it before you even noticed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just remember those guys. Uh, I don't think I ever was a plus <laughs> playing against those guys. A Couple minuses for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, did you have any deep playoff runs with uh, LA or Pittsburgh?
1: Well, my in LA, my my last year that I was there, I I got injured, and they they went to the cup. I got injured. I had surgery on my stomach, and I I I was I got I had a bunch of concussions that I had to deal with and i i had a concussion in october and i was actually in the minors at that time and then um i had another concussion um about a month later they just didn't have anybody to play down there there was there was they were bringing people up and um i got injured there then i tore my uh, i had two stomach surgeries it was at the end it was a bunch of surgeries trying to stay healthy but that last year that was the year they went to they played montreal in the finals I remember that. I remember
0: that. It was Montreal or Toronto?
1: No, they uh I think it was Montreal. I, I think. Um I remember Marty McSorley he got a he had a illegal stick. He had a stick yeah. that um I mean it was so bad that it was unreal, but he <laughs> I mean he would he just thought he could get away with it, but it was like it was like an inch curve on it. I mean he you know, we used to curve all of our own sticks and he he would step on it, and usually they would, you know, the, most of the guys in the third period, you know, if we were ahead, they'd always tone their stick down by stepping on it or get another stick, and he didn't do it. It was just – and I think they walked they, – they came around before the the game and looked at the sticks and said, well, if we need a we need a power play, this is a guy we're going to call it on. Right, yeah. But, but I'm pretty sure that was Montreal, I think. Yeah.
0: Um, well, our listeners will correct us for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the one thing that happens when you embark on this hockey journey is that uh, you're going to have a start day and you're going to have an end day. And you talked about, uh, I had a similar experience where, you know, you got to have that conversation with yourself. Can I do this one more year or is it over? So, you know, when that realization came to you and you had to make that final decision, you know, what went into it, what was going through your mind?
1: Well, i had had a bunch of concussions. So I had, I had uh, the second concussion that I had uh, I, that I just talked about earlier. Um, I um, drove to practice and I came to a stoplight and I didn't know where I was. And I'd done that practice rank a bunch of times. And, and then I, I kind of shook it off and um, I, I had headaches for a long time. And, I, and when I got done with that, I said, if I, if it um, if this headache goes away and I clear up, I said I, I'm not sure if I can play. And then I had had a meeting with the doctors and stuff from LA, and and I asked one of the doctors, and I only really trusted one of the doctors because at that point they were like, ah, oh, there's no head, you know, head injuries weren't a big deal. And I said, if I was your son, would you let me play? And he said no, and that was it. That kind of made my decision. I just I wanted to be normal when I got out of out of hockey or you know be able to function and I did, you know, a couple more hits who knows. So that's kind of how it worked for me. Yeah. Uh so unfortunate. Uh
0: but that is that is the the nature of the sport that injuries do happen. Um how are you? Do you have any uh issues with uh headaches nowadays or anything?
1: No, not too bad. Um I you know, I just normal stuff. I it seems yeah. like You know, you forget stuff, but it was, it's, that's just, I think it's normal for me. I, I, but I, you know, um, I, I have my own business here, so I, it's, I'm always thinking about something, so it kind of helps me with that part of it, but, um, yeah, I I don't, I don't really have any things that's noticeable, but who knows, you know, you never know when, when, if this, if it's going to kick in, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, everyone's the same, but I mean, I'm in my fifties now, so the memory bank isn't as, uh, <laughs> sharp and oiled up as it normally is. Yeah. So, uh, well, before we move on, I just want to congratulate you on, uh, an amazing career. I mean, there's not many people that can say they were able to play for their hometown college team, their hometown professional team, uh, become an Olympian. And all of that happens after, uh, a pretty challenging time in your life where you could have went in the completely opposite direction. So I know your mom's looking down still (laughs) saying, keep doing it. You're making me smile every day. Uh, Congratulations, Scott, in your career. Well, thank you. So you're over. Hockey days are over. Uh, You got into coaching a little bit, uh, but uh, you also established yourself as one of the top shooting instructors in the United States. So I'm curious, why, why not corporate America? Why didn't you just go get a job? And how, uh, how did you become, you know, basically a very successful entrepreneur uh, with your at-home private lessons on, on ice clinics?
1: Well, I think, <clears throat> why not corporate America? I, I think my, my last five years, you know, someone else, <clears throat> no matter how good I played, someone else was in control of, My life, for you know, you know how it is when you, if you, if you, the coaches are in control of um, if you're playing or not and you can be playing great and you don't play and you can be playing bad and you don't play. So I wanted to have control of what I was doing when I got done and I didn't want to have a schedule. I mean, the schedule, uh, you know, hockey, don't get me wrong. The pro life, it was awesome. But, you know, it was wake up, do the same thing every day. And, and in, in between, you know, on road trips, you do the same thing every day. And it was really for, for nine months or eight months, it was, it was whatever they wanted, where they wanted you to go. And I kind of decided that that was not going to be what I was going to do. I was going to figure out a way to to do some stuff that I could be in control of. And and that's why, that's why I started my shooting stuff. And I was, when I, with my shooting stuff, I had always been really observant on different players and where they shot the puck from. And I started looking at it and, um, Actually, Paul Osby, um, goalie for the University of Minnesota at that time, was doing goalie stuff, and I talked to him like you talked to me um, about about what I was doing or what he was doing, and he said, "Well, there's nobody that does the shooting stuff." And I started, I I looked at it, and you know, you know, obviously when you start this stuff, there's people who say, "Oh, you're never going to be able to make any money coaching or whatever," and and I knew I I kind of liked that when people said that to me because I was like, "Okay, we'll see." <laughs> And, and that's kind of how it started. I just, I, I actually started, I, I had a net in my truck and I would do lessons. I would go to the kid's house. Um, you know, they, they would sign up for a lesson. I go right to their house, pull the net out, put it in their garage, teach them how to shoot, throw my net back in the truck and go home. Wow. And I did that for probably a couple of years, probably three years. And then um, maybe a little longer. Um, and then, I, we built the house in, in, I got married and we built the house in, uh, Lake Elmo. And then I built a garage and I had it in my upstairs garage. And then I moved it to a, where it is now in the back garage. I built another garage. So it, um, my, the, uh, the, the stuff that I, I do now is, is really enjoyable because it's, um, you know, every day I have a different person coming in doing shooting stuff and, now my son helps me do this and which is awesome. He's, he was kind of doing this apprentice stuff his whole life because he has been sitting in the garage watching me do lessons. Um, but it kinda, you know, for me it was, I really liked that part of it. I wanted to stay in hockey and I knew that if I, um, eventually it would, it, my, I had one buddy that said, it'll take you about five years before you start to get referrals. And that was about right. And, and then now I kind of – I don't really have to advertise too much. It just kind of – it's word of mouth, and it's kind of like your stuff where you get to a point where, you know, it's just rolling. So and that's kind of what it's it's been. Well, we've had – we
0: – our lives have paralleled each other without even knowing, knowing a ninth-round draft pick, each of us. Uh, we were never – an everyday player our whole career. We had some good years. We played some um, with some amazing players. And when we both finished, it was because our body couldn't do it anymore. Uh, our health was much more important to, to us. Mm-hmm. But really important for me was, you know, when I retired, I had the same mindset where I didn't want to work for anyone. Again, I was sick of taking orders. I, I was sick of being on someone else's schedule. And and, but with the one grateful for the, the opportunities and for every experience we had there, what it did do is it gave us the ability to have some time to figure it out, how we were going to fit into the world. Uh, because there's a stat, I, you probably know, uh, the, the, the players' uh, NHL Players Association, you know they say it takes about, uh, if you have a lengthy uh, professional NHL career, that it takes you about... Two years for for you and your wife to kind of see how you're going to fit into this world without uh, being a player anymore. Yeah. Did you guys uh, have that transitional? Did you have any struggles, or was it pretty smooth?
1: Uh, I think um, for me, I I I never really, you know, I played hockey, and, and people, and you know how it is when you when you play. They, I don't know, you're on TV. You're kind of you know you people know you and I just never thought of myself as that I just thought of myself as a regular guy and my dad used to always say you just get up in the morning you work and you get up in the morning you work and things are going to turn out okay and and I got up and I just and never really never really thought that I I had gotten done with one thing I just kind of I'm going to move into this and I'm going to be fine and I'm going to I'm going to make this work and Kind of, like I say, like you just said, we kind of have similar attitudes when it comes to this stuff. We just kind of, you know, we, I don't know how you felt after, but I I just kind of, I was happy for what I had. I was relieved at at that time where it was kind of done because of all the injuries and I was ready to, to, to do something different. And, um, and I, I think thankfully hockey has been great to me because I, I've never had to move out of it and, um, just, I've been able to, to teach kids. And I, I coached, uh, I coached a team that won the state tournament here, which is, if you live in Minnesota, it's, uh, that's the, that's the pinnacle for, the, for high school kids. And actually, you know, for me, it was probably my, um, the game I remember most in my whole life is the first game in the state tournament. So, but I ended up coaching a team that won the state tournament. And um, so it kind of, it was good for me. It wasn't a wasn't a huge transition for me because I didn't really think of myself as this, this guy that okay I don't I have no clue what I'm gonna do. I just kind of threw a couple things against the wall and one of them stuck and I just went with it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. The one thing I didn't
0: have uh, doesn't sound like you did. Once you made the the decision to to call it quits, call it a career, uh, it was like a weight was lifted off you because you know that climb in the ladder. Oh, yeah <laughs> this is so tough year after year it, it gets to where you start questioning it, and that's when it's time to get out so um let's transition so it what I love Scott is that you're we're both similar because we're we're servants and to others, and our vehicle is through hockey, you know we're able to pass on what we know and and we get in front of so many different people. And what's so gratifying uh, for me is to, when we usually uh, get someone in the rotation, they're with us for years. You yep. know, some we only might see a couple times a year, but they always wanna be uh, getting a little check in and to be able to see where they start to where they are now. You mentioned uh, Grace Zumwinkle, mm-hmm. uh, the US Olympian. Um, you know, we've been working with her since she was little, you know, and to go on that stage, it's pretty cool. So I want to give a little expertise to our listeners here. You know, you're, you're, you were known as a stripe, uh, sniper. You are known as one of the top shooting instructors, maybe in the world, but I know in the United States, uh, what, what can a player do what should they be doing if you know they want to improve their shooting power, their accuracy, anything that has to do with the shot?
1: Uh I I really think that the one thing that um is, is the biggest they have to understand how the stick works. And that's kind of what we go through in my shooting lessons. We you know, we go through everything on that stick and once they understand exactly what they're trying to do with that stick, then then they it, it's not. It takes a lot of the pressure off because they they know they're doing the right stuff with it. They got their weight in the right position. They're shooting off the right part of the blade. Um, they have the right curve. All that stuff makes a huge difference. But I, you know, I like if if I was young and I knew what I knew now, I would have. I mean, that's what that's the, that in skating. I would have been working in stick handling stuff. I'd been working on it all the time because that's the that's you know you get kids that can score, um, you get kids that can handle the puck and your kids can skate, you're going to play. And, and that's kind of, um, my, my thinking with the shooting part of it, they just have to, they have to repeat it and they have to repeat it the right way. And, but I, you know, now the sticks are so important. They have sticks that are, um, you know, the sticks flex two ways. They flex down when they get kids catch passes, they flex down when they pass the puck and, and they flex forward when they shoot it. And, if they are pushing on that stick the wrong way that stick is not going to work. So um and there's you know there's different different sticks out there that are are unbelievable and there's some sticks that are aren't as good. And they're all good compared to what we used, but there's some sticks that I mean if you use them right they're just unreal.
0: So if if excuse me if someone can't get access to you, yeah. you know, let's say they're in Wisconsin or California or wherever where do you where do you go to find someone an expert that can fit you fit the player with the correct stick what should someone do
1: well we actually have a program we have a uh, we just introduced this this program not too long ago but we have a stick fitting program where where if you're out of state um, you can you can send in some videos of you shooting and you know whether it's we we give you very specific uh, angles we want to see see where, where you're shooting from and we can we can fit you with a stick on the internet now so or over the you know with those video clips and we send back and we we give you a recommendation on what blade and what flex and all that stuff so there's it's hard you know they a lot of the um, some of the places the, the sporting goods shops have they have a, a stick fitter there, but I, it's, it's a, it's a machine. And it, it, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really look at the way the kids are skating or if they're upright, if they're bent over a little bit or whatever. And so that's one thing we have a, we have a new program that does that. And it's, uh, it doesn't, you know, it, we, they get, they get shooting videos afterwards They kind of go through everything. They get some answers on um, why we, you know, we, we told them to use this stick and all that. So we can do it here. Isn't it amazing the evolution of your
0: business, Mm -hmm. you know, it went from having a net in the back of your truck, going to people's driveways to having it in the back of your garage. And now you're able to touch people and not even have to be face to face with them through the internet and still, you know, providing quality information, uh, to people that are searching for it. If they don't, they can't find the answers in their area. Um, awesome stuff, Scott, um, one thing that you and I both do is to try to encourage players to get extra reps off the ice at home. Coming to work with us, I mean, that, that's a benefit, but the real growth is, you know, getting some extra hours in, because uh, I always tell players that, you know, if you're lucky enough to earn a college scholarship, its it's all the hours that you accumulate in addition to your team practices and games. And... When it comes to shooting and passing, especially well, I guess stick handling too. What people don't understand is that in order to move from average to a little above, what's going to happen is that there's going to be way more mistakes and misses than there are uh, successes. Uh, for you, how how important is it for players to to get those extra reps off ice? Because to me. The hockey gods, they can't tell. And you can get through a lot of those misses off ice. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I always tell kids is, you know, when you when – you I ask them if they've played against a player that's really good and, and shoots the puck really good, scores a bunch of goals, and they say, I'll say yeah. I said, I'm just going to tell you that player didn't wake up in the morning and could shoot the puck. So, you know, I think, too, the, the, there's a couple things. The repetition is super important. I mean, it's, they have to be doing it right and they have to practice. And, and some kids I have come to me every week and a lot, you know, they, they would rather do it in there where I'm talking to them when they're shooting and that's fine. But they, and they have, they have practice during the week, but they have to do reps and they have to be engaged. Um, but, you know, it's, it's weird because I think once the kids understand what actually happens on the ice is, you know, their shooting percentage is not going to be as good as they think. I mean, that's not even close. I mean, a good shooter, you know, might score once every, you know, maybe 10, once every 10 shots. And, you know, look at Gretzky. Gretzky was a, his whole lifespan when he played, he was, he was a 17% shooter. And so that means every six, just under six shots, uh, he scored a goal and they weren't every six, they weren't, they weren't like, okay, I get six shots, I score a goal. It was sometimes he had 15 shots and had no goals, and they he scored three shots and three goals. So you the more they understand what actually happens on the ice, the, eat, the more control they can have over when things don't go right, and it's not like a surprise. But you know, you, you watch kids that are really volatile, and, and they miss a couple of breakaways, and, and they can't play the rest of the game. You see their body language change, and they, they can't play because they missed a breakaway. And um you know there's certain things that the, the shooter does not have the advantage out and that's one of them. I mean you look at the the um men's olympic loss here the other night. They had they had five they had five shootout uh chances and then the score one and and slovakia scored one out of the so there was one goal scored out of 10 on breakaways. Yeah. That's that's not that uncommon. The goalies are really good. They and it's hard to score on these goalies, but if if you understand it, your your mind stays in a better place when you do miss. So, what do
0: you suggest for players that haven't figured that out yet? How do you how do you manage that and get out of that rut?
1: Well, I I really one of the things I I talked to him about the mental part of it, about you know, not probably as much as the shooting part of it because I have a I have a really good friend of mine's a sports psychologist and he's unbelievable. He's he, you know, sometimes kids are not scoring because they're shooting from bad areas or they're, they're, they're staying on the perimeter and they're shooting. And, and, you know, he said, you know, there's two things he said. He, he told me that, um, confidence is a belief, you know, how, you know, how sometimes you, you would go on the ice and you felt really good and all oh, of uh, oh, it's going to be a good night. And some days you went on the ice and you felt terrible and you think, oh God, I don't feel very good. You know, you don't, you just, you kind of, I know for my career, it kind of was dictated on how I felt on the ice. And, and, um, but I had a girl the other day. Um, she actually plays for the U and I was talking to him and I said, what, what makes you confident? She goes, because I believe I'm good. And that's, that's the first girl, first person I've ever had say that to me. And it, that's a huge thing. This guy says that you you got to believe no matter what happens that you're good, and and you got to believe it in your heart. And that's kind of um, I think that's the biggest thing for scoring. If you if you believe that you're good and you you bring yourself across the good areas and you practice a lot and the puck's going where you want it to go, you're going to score, and you're going to have very very. Uh, it's not going to be the steep steep pumps when you go up and you're happy, and you're not going to be sad when you score. You're just going to go back to the bench and say I'm getting close. And that's kind of what I teach, and I and I for me, I think that's one of the reasons the parents are in there, and they I make the parents stay in there, and and they you know they go through it with their kids, and they don't know how to deal with it, and that's kind of what this my my buddy who's a sports psychologist has kind of kind of showed me, and and um, it's been unbelievable.
0: Yeah, you know, you you talk about the gal from the U where she. No, she's good. You know, you you knew you were good. Neil Broughton confirmed that uh, <laughs> in the weight room, at one time. But uh, you know, again, I I say that to get to that point, that's called earn confidence. You know, everyone wants the score, of the championship, double overtime, winning goal. Yeah. But very few for prepare for those moments, and you know, again, the messaging, where you got to do more. And, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm really thankful that you were able to take the time and share your hockey journey with us, Scott. Um, again, you know, it it definitely got, uh, emotional for you, but you know, hockey's an emotional game, but somehow we got to play, uh, with emotion, but not emotional. You know what I mean? Yep. And so uh, again, we're both servants of others. Uh, The vehicle we use to pass on our information and experiences is through hockey. Uh, Congratulations on an unreal career. Uh, Last thing I want to know is how can we, if someone's interested, to learn more information about what you got going on both on the, the lessons, the on ice clinics, and also the stick fitting video analysis stuff. How can they get a hold of you, Scott?
1: Uh, if they just go to scottbuksted and this is my website, and just go on, it'll it'll give you the information on everything. You, it looks, I mean, it's easy to it's pretty easy to use, and you just go on there, and you can um, look at everything. If you have questions, you can call the number on there, and my son and I or, or I will answer and 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 walk you through stuff. And um, but that's kind of. Um, the easiest way, just go around right the internet to com. Perfect.
0: Well, people, we got a pretty doggone good uh, human being on, on this interview. Scott, thanks again for being here on the Hockey Journey podcast. Con- continued success in, uh, in making players a lot better uh, because your contributions to this game – are only making the experiences for others better. So thank you, and thanks for being a guest on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Lance.
0: Well, another awesome Hockey Journey interview. Mr. Bukestead had the trifecta, being able to play for his hometown college and professional teams, and the once-in-a-lifetime experience of becoming an Olympian. And all of this was accomplished after the tragic loss of his mother during his high school years. His story is one of self-belief, grit, and determination, With his mom always being the guiding force. What I love is that he continues to share his journey by passing on what he's learned and developed over the years since retiring to the players he gets in front of on a weekly basis. Thank you Scott for doing what you do. Before I let you go, I want to thank you for stopping by for a listen. If you think someone in your circle of family and friends might enjoy Scott's story, please share it with just one person as it really helps me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, and I hope to see you back here soon. And do me a favor, make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.